Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I am David Chen, and I fully expect Michael Myers to show up randomly in this podcast speaking in a British accent. Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Finally, a prequel to the TV show New Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Today we're going to talk about three people who make a friendship pact that will last forever. But enough about the film cast. <laughs> Nicely done. Those are, of course, all vague oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing Amsterdam, the new film that's out in theaters right now with a loaded cast that's starring everyone in Hollywood and Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, so a lot to dive into there. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slash filmcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'm sorry. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. You can support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive Afterdarks. This week on the Afterdark, we're going to be diving into the Netflix movie Athena. Uh, incredible movie. Lots to dive into there. And that's going to be one of the topics on this week's episode of the Filmcast Afterdark. You can sign up to receive that episode at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. But before we get into any of that, I need to read what, in my opinion, is one of the greatest emails we've ever received in the history of this podcast. <laughs> this email gives me agita, just so you know. This email comes from Kyle from Anaheim, California. Subject line of the email. Kyle writes in to slashfilmcast at gmail.com, Jeff's mousetrap mix-up is ruining my marriage and friendships. Mm. <laughs> Already one of the greatest email subject lines of all time. Right, so I'm, I'm, I'm instantly hooked based off of that email subject. Okay. Uh, Kyle writes in, gentlemen, oh, and actually, we should provide some backup, some some background for this uh, this email. Right, uh, several episodes of the Filmcast ago, Jeff Kanata talked about the uh, whodunit that's playing right now in theaters called "See How They Run." Um, See how they run in the movie heavily features a play written by Agatha Christie called. Uh, the mousetrap and Jeff Kanata in that conversation of the podcast, you said, Hey, before you see the movie, see how they run, you got to watch the movie version of the play, the mousetrap, <laughs> right? That's what, that's what you said on that podcast. Correct. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. I said, was, I said it would benefit you to have uh, the mousetrap. Yeah, you got you to have the full context for it the would benefit trap. you to have it fresh in your mind. You and so you should seek out, so you should definitely see the movie version of the play, which yeah. Jeff Kanata, which a is a thing that definitely exists. And B is a thing that Jeff Kanata <laughs> definitely has watched. Right. <laughs> is, is the thing that I didn't say I watched it recently. No, 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 no. I just no. said, uh, you know, or, back or even, in our rea even in our reality, potentially, you know, <laughs> you didn't say you watched it in this version of the multiverse. No. Um, but it was then subsequently pointed out that, of course, there is no filmed version of The Mousetrap. And actually, that's a major plot point in the movie See How They Run. Mm, 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 mm. Well, yes, but yes. it's not like the movie tells you there's not one now. Right. It's not, well, it's not like we're taking the movie's word as gospel or anything like that. Right. <laughs> okay. So that, that's the background you need for this email is Jeff said, see The Mousetrap movie before you see See How They Run. And yeah. also, there is no Mousetrap movie. That's the context. Okay. Two data points. Yeah, okay. Kyle writes into slashfilmcast.gmail.com, quote, I regret to inform the three of you that Jeff's mousetrap mix-up has had a measurable real-world impact on my life and closest relationships. My <laughs> husband and I have a ritual with another close married couple whereby every other week we trade off planning duties for a Friday night hangout. 
Last Friday, it was the other couple's turn to plan the night, and we were informed via our group text thread that the plan was to go catch the new film, see how they run. One of the implied edicts of this friendly arrangement is that we generally agree to do whatever the planning couple is proposing, even if it's not something that would be on the top of our own list that we would be considered uh, that might be considered a fun Friday night. Fortunately, though, we're all movie fans, so films are usually a safe bet. But Jeff's adamance that audiences needed to see the 1960s classic film The Mousetrap first caused me to break our group's cardinal rule and step in to say that the planned movie outing would be a non-starter. I felt a bit uncomfortable putting my foot down in such a way, but I felt confident that seeing the films in order would make for a more enjoyable experience all around. I noted that this commandment was coming straight from one of my very trusted film sources, the Films Podcast. I'm sorry, the Filmcast, and even referenced a positive personal anecdote from a few years back with our group, where seeing Citizen Kane before watching Mank really helped us appreciate both films. Since neither of our houses were clean enough to have a movie night that Friday, the plans changed instead to grabbing burgers at a brand new fancy burger restaurant that opened in the neighborhood. We had a great night and the food was delicious until later that night when back at our respective homes, all four of us experienced a grisly bout of what we later determined was likely food poisoning. I'll spare you the details, but the book that HBO's House of the Dragon is based upon, Fire and Blood, comes to mind for some reason. (laughs) I can't be responsible for the food poisoning, you guys. Needless to say, Saturday was pretty much a blur for the four of us, and on Sunday, nausea was replaced with guilt and recriminations, as our friends wanted to blame themselves for taking us to the burger joint, while my husband was content with just blaming me for upending the original plan to see see how they run. Even now, things are a little uncomfortable between the four of us. But where things get really fucked is right about now, as I'm writing this email on Tuesday, having just listened to the opening bits of your Avatar film episode, and now realizing that not only has the Friday Night Mousetrap home watch party idea that I was planning gone up in smoke, but that the entire justification behind last week's plan change was a total farce. (laughs) I honestly don't know what I'm going to do this Friday, as I'm terrified of what my friends might think of me when they realize my towering folly. To say nothing of how incandescent my husband might find might might get when he finds out the truth more like see how i run <laughs> they'll never know <laughs> they will never know it's more like see how they got the runs right <laughs> <laughs> my only hope is that i can plan something so fun and so distracting that all thoughts of the films and the food poisoning fall by the wayside. Given that Disneyland is literally just down the road, I think I might suggest we all go in on season passes and hope that we can cycle through a few Fridays at the theme park until See How They Run ends its theatrical run and is hopefully (laughs) forgotten about. In my Mm -hmm. dim recollections of the fog of last Saturday, one line from my husband as he gripped the toilet bowl echoes in my mind. I hope that old Agatha Christie flick is worth it. (laughs) <laughs> I wish I could say it will be worth it but it doesn't even exist end quote <laughs> that email comes to from Kyle from Anaheim, California and I love this email for many many reasons I mean it's a really well written email um, but also it's really about the butterfly it, it's it, it, another thing that I love about the email is it shows the importance of accuracy on the podcast right like <laughs> If we get something wrong, friendships are at stake. Marriages are at stake with the stuff that we talk about on the podcast. I can't handle that kind of pressure, Dave. Well, I can, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) And I suggest you get on board, okay? But the other thing is also the butterfly effect of Jeff makes a royally fucks up 
on the podcast by <laughs> alluding to a movie that doesn't exist. And then next thing you know, like we've completely thrown a bomb into what seems to be a really healthy adult friendship between these two couples. And I don't know if you guys feel this way, but adult friendships, especially like couple friendships, it's are hard. hard to come by. They're yeah. not like yeah. they don't grow on trees. You don't just walk down the street and pick them off a <laughs> pick them off the side of the street. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's hard, and it, it, it appears that this uh, little group has been going for years. He says, literally from a few years back, seeing Citizen Kane wa- and watching Max. So they've been running this this friend group for years, for years, which is like, wow, that's that is an accomplishment, gentlemen. Yeah. That is an accomplishment. In walks Jeff Kanata like a fucking bull in a china shop with his inaccurate Agatha Christie movie knowledge. And next thing you know, this friend group is like, and you can you can totally imagine what this would be like, where you do you say a thing, everyone suffers because of it, like is second order impact, right? Yeah. And then it's weird between you. Like you kind of like don't trust each other anymore. You know what I'm saying? I can totally understand this. Situation. You are- you are loving this so much, David. <laughs> Am You're, I? Yeah. Now, okay. So, yeah. in, in Jeff, my defense, Jeff, what say you? What say? You? What's in you? my defense, yes. First of all, this the revelation of my misdeed uh, took place in the Avatar episode, and I would submit that that's not even the primary reason that episode made people projectile vomit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh huh. So, you know, your mileage may vary on uh, your level of nausea in any given episode of the film cast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, I I would like I I feel like my stance re uh, seeing this non-existent film has been a bit exaggerated. I believe all I said was <laughs> I wish mm-hmm. I had revisited the movie before watching it, not knowing that there wasn't a movie. Uh, and oh my gosh, so many people, so many people. So I can't even tell you how many people have speculated as to what movie I'm think I was thinking of. Mm-hmm, Most mm-hmm, of the people have, yeah. uh, there seems to be a, um, a, a, uh, a, um, <laughs> I can't think of the word, uh, an agreement. What's the word for agreeing on something? Uh, pact. No, uh, consensus. Consensus. There seems to be a consensus that the the movie that I uh, substituted in my head was Death Trap, (laughs) which is the old Michael Caine, uh, Uh Christopher Reeve. Fantastic, fantastic movie. Uh, But I I do believe that's probably what happened is that I was remembering uh, seeing the title of Death Trap and knowing I had seen Death Trap and uh, just kind of, you know, substituted that in my head as as Mousetrap. Um, anyway, I was saying, I wish I had revisited. I wasn't saying, Hey, restructure your life, go to, you know, the salmonella hut and get burgers. (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't suggesting any of that. Really? I I distinctly remember the word salmonella hunt being spoken on that episode, Jeff. (laughs) That was a completely different context. That was, Mm -hmm. that's one of the names of one of the characters from Avatar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which no, I mean, remember. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But people just trust you so... People just want to trust you so much. Like, they trust you implicitly, Jeff. You know what I mean? Like, I, hey, in all seriousness, I do value that. And every attempt is usually... Well, not every attempt. Uh, uh, you know, 
majority of the time we all we we endeavor to be accurate mm-hmm. and we also uh, endeavor to correct our mistakes as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, the podcast only comes out once a week. <laughs> so that's as quickly as we could re- rectify yes. the situation. Yes, yes, yes. Well, but I do, I do take that responsibility uh, seriously, as do, I think, all three of us uh, in, in trying to uh, present accurate information or, or, you know, respect the audience. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Respect the audience's time. Respect your desire to have the best possible film going experience, and and our our you know job in assisting that in in facilitating that to some degree. Uh, I do think we we take that seriously, and I apologize profusely <laughs> to uh, everybody's buttholes that had to you know do the diarrhea that night. I, I, I feel like uh, maybe we should have breaking news alerts or something <laughs> like on our Twitter. Like, hey, no, that movie doesn't exist. Yeah, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. A, just a, like a fifteen second drop in your RSS feed <laughs> of, of Dave going. Yeah, Jeff messed up again. Everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, could be a could be a new ongoing segment. Jeff messed up. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I I was curious. Like, have you ever been in a situation where somebody in the situation, like in a social situation, has messed up so royally that it made everything? Um, really awkward for for a while afterwards. I have I have an example that comes to mind. Okay, this is very silly. Now that I'm now that I'm saying it, it's it's going to sound silly, and you guys will make fun of me for it. But that's okay. That's the point of it. Um, I was. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna say when this happened. Okay, I'm just gonna be very vague about it. But I was a part of an acapella group. Okay. And we were competing in an acapella competition. The B sharps. <laughs> no. We were competing in an acapella competition, and the acapella competition had extremely strict rules, right, for the timing of how long each performance could be. I think it was something like every group got ten minutes, or it was like ten or fifteen minutes, and they timed it very strictly, and you could not go over, uh, or you would get docked points. And I remember the head of the group made a last minute change. He's like, hey, we should, we were going to do like two songs, but then he's like, no, you know, we should totally do three songs. And everyone in the group was like, hey, uh, are you sure like we should do three songs? Because like, they have, these extremely there, buddy. Yeah. they have these extremely strict rules that we can't go over like 10 <laughs> minutes or whatever. And he's like, guys, I timed it. It's fine. It's going to be fine. So uh, we're like, okay. You know, and we we trusted this person, and we all get up on stage and we perform the three songs, and we went over the time, and literally, as they're announcing the winners of the contest later on, uh, they announced the runner up, and they said they basically said, "Oh, this one was really hard to. It was really hard to figure out who the runner up was because unfortunately, the runner up, due to timing reasons, <laughs> was." Ex acapella group that we were in. And so it was very clear that we would have been number one if it wasn't for the timing. Like we'd gone over, been docks and points, we came in second place. Mm. And literally, like this the next rehearsal we had, everyone like the, the the atmosphere was like very, very not kind. You know, <laughs> people were really, really unhappy with the leader of the group. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the opposite yeah. of acapella mood. You know, (laughs) 
Um, and I was just like, oh yeah, that was that was. I remember being like really, really upset at the time that this person had made this. We had all said, don't do this thing that we you th- you shouldn't do. And then he's like, let's do it. And then we lost because of it. You know what I mean? Um, but th- for some reason, when I think of like really awkward social situations caused by one person, <laughs> that's one that came to mind. D- Dave, were you the person? <laughs> And that leader grew up to be David Chen. No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't me. But it was like. But it was. Like, it was a weird thing because like the guy was really like. I don't understand. Like, why is everyone? You know, I made a call. It was a mistake. Like, let's move on. And um. But but it realized like. Here's what I did realize is like, there was no social mechanism by which to air people's grievances. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. There's no like, hey, let's all sit down and like talk about our feelings about that. Like that doesn't happen. It's an all guy. It was an all guys acapella group, you know. Yeah. But that, that that kind of stuff like didn't really happen, and so as a result, people just kind of like bottled up the resentment and didn't say anything. Uh, and then it came out like people like lashed out in weird and different ways. Um, <laughs> well, here's the question though: If you had only done the two songs, would you have been first place? I Maybe think that would've. third song th- was the one that really impressed everybody. Nah, I, th- I think the first two songs are pretty impressive too. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think, but it's like, but it's like, yeah, there's no, you know, and same thing with this group of people too. Is like, like, like clearly there's like bitterness and anger and recriminations about the situation, but there's no like necessarily like, hey, let's all have like a group therapy session where we like talk about it because that'd be like weird in our modern day society, you know, to like yeah. talk about your feelings like that. Yeah, um, which I think is a real loss. You know, I think it's a it's a real shame that we we can't really it's not really like socially accepted to kind of hey I'm mm-hmm. I'm upset about this and we need to talk about it. Did they did they ever address it or were they were they just like let's move on? Well, yeah, that's the that's the open question. Yeah, um, Kyle, if you are listening to this, we require an update on how and see how they run. Well, and I'm talking about your music so. group too. Oh, on the on the music group. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, uh yeah uh basically like one of the sort of senior people in the music group we basically hashed it out over email right uh-huh. like the head of the group sent an email it was like hey like why is everyone treating me like chopped liver now and one of the other people in the group emailed him was like hey dude the reason everyone's upset is because you freaking tanked you know our performance by making the wrong call even after we all warned you not to and after he said that email we basically never after he sent that email we basically didn't talk about it again because it's like, oh, oh like great, great. the airing of grievances has occurred. You know, like it's <laughs> out of great the leadership. Open, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like we don't we yeah. don't need to we don't need to like reflect that anymore. Cause it's like they just needed to know that it made an impression, like that the leader of the group knew that we felt wronged by him somehow. And then like that's it. That's all you need, right? It's a so, real feels like a real sliding doors moment, Dave. Your whole career could have been shot into a completely different direction if you had just won the tournament, become uh, mm-hmm. you know top tier acapella group and then who who knows next stop stardom <laughs> yeah i mean i certainly would have left this one horse podcast behind <laughs> a long time ago. i think it's a money horse dave mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, i have a quick one if yeah. you want to hit us, hit us, Jeff. if we want to beat this dead horse yeah this dead please. money horse please. um so uh, i really shouldn't tell the story but i'm going to anyway um <laughs> the it's not that bad uh so uh, several years ago, um, we it was way, way, way before COVID. A uh, group of friends getting together in a similar to our emailer, like you know, friend groups, couples uh, getting together to play board games. So as I often do, I often force my friends to play my designer board games 
that I'm obsessed with. And uh, we got together several couples and uh, it was a team game. And there was a moment at uh, toward the end where one of my friend's girlfriends uh, did a thing that completely threw the game, completely like just absolutely lost the game for her team. And as she was doing it, everyone saw that it was the worst possible thing you could do mm-hmm. in the context of the game in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it was clear to me, and I believe everyone, that the reason that she did it is because she just com- just misunderstood the rules. Mm-hmm. She just misunderstood what what it would accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. That that particular act in the game, she it was clear that she just didn't understand what was about to happen, right? And everybody was like, "No, no, 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 don't don't." And then she's like, "No, I want to do it." And and okay, well, it's your choice to do it. Uh-huh. And it was catastrophic for her team, right? And, you know, small stakes, just playing a board game. But everybody afterwards was like, why did you do that? That we just (laughs) lost the game. Mm -hmm. We didn't need to. You didn't have to do that. And she clearly uh, embarrassed, it seems, uh, of that, or coming to the realization that she just misunderstood the rules, this is my interpretation of what happened, is that she realized that she made a catastrophic error and didn't want to admit to that. So she started to say, no, 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 I did that on purpose Mm -hmm. because I thought it would be funny, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is far worse. Yeah. Far, far, far worse than, oops, I misunderstood. But she did not want to admit that she misunderstood And so instead said, hey, no, no, I was completely intentional. I did that because I thought it would be funny and fun for everyone. And it was fun for zero people. The people who won the game did not enjoy winning for that reason. And the people who lost the game felt like someone in their team just stabbed them in the back. And it was the last time we ever played board games. It it, it seriously was like, it was, again, such small stakes. This is not projectile vomiting or or yeah. uncontrollable diarrhea. This is so, it just literally, but it soured everyone to such an extent. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Is these like adult connections are very tenuous. I yeah, think, you know, it it's just like, takes I don't a little, wanna, little tiny it, thing to like upset it, and then it's yeah. it's, it's over. It's like, I don't want to spend hours of my life doing something <laughs> to have someone just ruin it at the end. Like I, I got better things right. to do with my time. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway, Kyle, deep apologies from the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, 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 I really, I really screwed the pooch on that one. Sorry, <laughs> but we hope you're able to redeem the situation and do give us an update when you have a chance, uh, and hope that everyone is healing up nicely from the food poisoning. And of course, you can always write into slashfilmcast at gmail.com. We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back with what we've been watching and then our review of Amsterdam. All right, folks, let's get to what we've been watching this week. You can always use hashtag slash tag to share stuff that you want us to watch. And sometimes we end up watching it. It makes it part of the show. Uh, Okay. Uh, I want to talk about a few things I've been watching. Uh, I watched the movie Smile. Uh, I I did not know, guys, that, you know, we we, we try our best to predict what people are going to be interested in, what they're going to be talking about. Obviously, if I had known this movie would be a massive success, 
uh, and not the movie that starred literally every actor in Hollywood. I would have ad- advocated we review this movie instead. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but this movie uh, has a budget of $17 million and has already made almost $100 million worldwide. Uh, it is a phenomenon right now at the box office. And, and if you want to hear the the incredible story of <laughs> the circumstances around yes. which Dave saw Smile, then you yes. got to tune in to the After Dark from last week because yes. it's a doozy. Totally, totally. Uh, and also, we put a clip of it, uh, a, a clip of the After Dark on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash slash filmcast. So check that out as well. Um, but Smile, I will read the the plot summary from IMDb. Here's a, the plot summary of Smile. If you, if you don't want to hear the plot summary of Smile, tune out for a second. After witnessing a bizarre traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Carter starts... Uh, experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality, end quote. Uh, what's really impressive about this movie is the stars Sosie Bacon, who is uh, Kevin Bacon and Kyra Sedgwick's daughter. And she's the lead of the movie. And I had not seen her in anything before. I don't know if you guys had seen her. I think she was in like Mayor of Easttown. She's in 13 Reasons Why. But this was the oh, first thing I... still get... Six degrees from her to anybody. My, that's mm-hmm. my understanding. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. my, yes. Maybe it's seven degrees to her, I believe. But mm. in any case, she is incredible in this movie. Like, she is, she has to basically carry the whole film. Uh, and she's in almost every single scene. And I think she is really impressive. It's worth watching just to kind of see her performance as she kind of slowly loses it and becomes more unhinged throughout the course of the film. Um, but the movie plot itself is kind of this mix between It Follows and The Ring and kind of similar visuals and concepts to those movies. And those aren't bad movies to be cribbing from. I really had a great time with Smile. I thought it had some really memorable visuals. The visual that is on the poster that's in the trailers is kind of this idea of basically people smiling as terrible things are happening, right? Um, smiling as, um, you know, horrible things are I, I'm trying not to spoil anything but like basically like terrible things are occurring but they're smiling through it and uh, and there's something that's causing them to do that and it's really a creepy effective visual and there's a lot of neat visual ideas in the movie um, I would say you know this is comes hot on the heels of another horror movie that's been a kind of surprise hit barbarian right um, we talked about that movie um, Smile is, uh, we talked about that movie on the film cast After Dark. Smile is a much more kind of conventional supernatural horror film. Um, I might argue that the the scares, the jump scares, the imagery feels a little bit more effective, a little bit more scary in Smile than it did in Barbarian, personally. Um, but Barbarian is a more interesting, unique plot. You know, like, very few movies are structured like how Barbarian is structured. Smile is pretty conventional when it comes to horror film. It's just a really, really well-executed horror film, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think it's worth checking out. If you like horror movies and you like the marketing for this movie, I think you're going to like the movie itself. Uh, and it's worth it just, again, to see Sosie Bacon's performance. But the movie is Smile. It's out in theaters. And you should go watch it. So is this something that's hit your radar? Devendra, I know you've been a fan of the marketing of this movie, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. It's a good concept. I do love like a good uh, horror movie concept like this because smiling can be weird. Somebody's just smiling for no reason. That, that's creepy. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, some, and, and it makes for some really memorable like posters and visuals as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a neat gimmick. 
And this movie dropped like something like 20 to 25% in its second weekend. That is the best second weekend hold for any R-rated horror film other than Jordan Peele's Get Out. So like, I think the word of mouth on this movie is really, really hot. And people are just seeing it. They're getting scared. that The, the hell's scared out of them. They're telling all their friends to see it. Um, and I'm joining the chorus. Check it out. It's worth worth uh, watching and getting scared at. So that's Smile. It's available right now in theaters. I had a chance to check out Werewolf by Night, the yeah. new movie by composer and now director Michael Giacchino. Of course, Giacchino has directed short films before. This is his first feature film. It is a Marvel special presentation that is about one hour long, streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. Takes place in the MCU, uh, but is very, very different than any other Marvel show. And it's an homage to old school monster movies. Uh, Jeff Kanata, you had a chance to watch this as well. Werewolf by Night on Disney+. Plus. Yes. What do you think of it? Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I did like it. I, I thought it was fun, interesting. It's basically, um, I mean, it's the first, most of the movie is, is uh, Fortnite. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> if you like Fortnite <laughs> or uh, it's basically a battle royale, <laughs> it's uh, uh, monster hunters fi- uh, f- uh, fighting each other and a monster uh, looking for weapons. You know, it's basically it's like, oh, what if Fortnite but real? Uh, I There is uh, enough here to have some fun. I liked stylistically it is it is presented in black and white. Uh, there is film grain and sort of flaws added. Uh, to the image to make it seem like one of those old uh, movies that I grew up, you know, you'll see them come on TV late at night. Uh, I don't know if kids have that experience anymore. Probably not. Everything's on demand now. So you don't, you're not just, you know, we grew up where you would see something you didn't expect to see. I don't think people watch anything they don't expect to watch anymore. Um, But that's kind of how this movie felt to me as those old, like, what even is this? It's on late at night on some weird channel. And, uh, and I and I like that about it. it. It it is also not afraid to be a little funny uh, in in the way that a lot of horror movies can be um, to kind of break the tension. It has, uh, I think, some. It has a a really wonderful Marvel deep cut Marvel character that shows up. That you, it's like one of those. I can't believe we're seeing a film version of this character. It's pretty wild. Um, and there's enough about it that makes it very much worthwhile. I like that it's standalone, that they didn't go, hey, let's draw this out into six episodes or whatever. It's just a kind of a one-off, cool Halloween thing that also very much could tie into a grander Marvel Cinematic Universe tapestry if they so choose. Definitely there are threads that can weave into you know the upcoming Blade movie or even Multiverse of Madness stuff. There, there are... There's a character in this show that is very much tied to the multiverse. Uh, so who knows if this will have grander ramifications. It certainly doesn't need to. I think it's a really kind of fun, self-contained uh, Halloween treat. I really like that as well, Jeff. Uh, for many of the reasons you described, it feels like a pretty big swing for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like very different than anything that's come before. Uh, we've seen very little black and white stuff in the MCU other than part of Thor Love and Thunder, for example. Uh, and there is a lot of hand-to-hand gory combat in this movie. 
which is also fairly atypical for Marvel. Uh, it's in black and white, so that helps with the ratings and make it not you know traumatizing to see uh, people get cut in half or other bloody things or whatever. But uh, I loved that it, A, felt like a love letter to these kinds of monster movies. B, felt pretty standalone and you could watch it and enjoy it without seeing anything else MCU ever in your whole life. And uh, and see like just some pretty solid action throughout the throughout the movie as well. Uh, short and sweet. It's done within the course of an hour. Yeah, uh, there's very little to dislike in this movie, in my opinion. So yeah, uh, I liked it. I liked it uh, quite a lot. And I agree. Uh, Michael Giacchino can direct. That's another thing. You know, like he he has is one of the most talented composers alive today. He's written some of the most memorable themes uh, of all time. I would say like his incredible score is a classic like and that is still something that many people use today. A lot of his music is used on TikTok all the time. It's remixed and um, part of memes and so on. So uh, he is enormously talented as a composer. And now we know that he also has skills as a director. Of course, he also wrote the music for this movie. Uh, can you imagine trying to be the composer for Werewolf by Night uh, and not Michael Giacchino? That'd be pretty tall order. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, uh, the music is great as well in this movie. Yeah. And uh, all the performances are great. Some memorable characters. What is interesting to me, Jeff, is like we're not sure what time the movie takes place in. It's heavily indicated that this is kind of like in you know, the 18, 1900s, but, um, but there's no like modern technology or anything like that in the movie. I don't know. Is um, that, do you think that's true? I don't, I, I didn't catch that. There's a, there's sort of a uh, an intro sequence that's hand drawn, yeah, uh, yeah, that references the Avengers, and so I oh, assume that okay. that was placing it in present day. I see. Interesting. Okay, I did not. I did not catch it. Did not clock that. Um, mm. But yeah, it could easily be present day. It could easily be present day. So, uh, but it's it's interesting. Like you know, the, you don't see an iPhone in the movie or anything. No. Like that, right. So there's no there's nothing that is done to place it in time. So. I I expect that at some point later on in the MC, we're going to find out when it took place. Um, but they, they, they've left themselves a lot of options with this, yeah. uh, with how they structured it. So anyway, uh, it's enjoyable. Check it out. It's Werewolf by Night. It's streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. I had a chance to check out Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. This is a movie that's now on Peacock. There's a bunch of like solid movies on Peacock these days. Like a lot of like universal yeah. movies, uh, you know, the universal Comcast, like they end up putting a lot of their movies straight to like to streaming on Peacock. And so it's ending up being like a pretty good value. If you want to watch movies like, like vengeance is on there. I'm probably going to check that out, Jeff. I know you like that movie. Yeah. Uh, even I though I you, probably, I even though I probably won't like it, but I'm I still... suspect you'll hate it, but I still want you to watch it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm planning to check that out, but yeah, it's on streaming on Peacock. And so I saw honk for Jesus, save your soul on Peacock. This is a movie that premiered at Sundance, I think this year. Uh, and Devendra, I believe you watched it, right? Is that, am I remembering that correctly? Or? I did not see that. Oh, you Sundance, no. got it. No. Okay. Um, I think you might have mentioned it or we talked about it around the time of Sundance. Uh, I really loved this movie. Um, I think there is a fundamental misalignment between what people expected this movie to be and what it is um, based on the reviews, which from my recollection were kind of mixed. This is a mockumentary style movie. And I think people were like, oh, this is going to be like The Office, but for you know, mega churches basically, right? Like it's going to be making fun of mega churches. Um, but it's really not that at all. It's, it, it has a mockumentary style format, but it's, I don't even know if it's a comedy to be honest. There's like really funny moments in it. 
moments that are intended to be like very haha funny for sure. Um, but I found it to be a very troubling look at modern Christianity and prosperity theology. Uh, and kind of, it's based off of a, it's heavily inspired by a, a real life story of somebody who ran a mega church. And uh, I just think it's, it's a really impressive piece of work as somebody who come, like I grew up in the church. I recognize so much of what makes the modern church toxic and terrible in this film. Um, and the performances are just incredible. Uh, specifically, Regina Hall plays the wife of a pastor, uh, a first lady, I think it's referred to, uh, you know, the pastor of a mega church. And she just imbues that role with so much pathos and tragedy uh, that she is kind of the MVP of this movie, in my opinion. Sterling K. Brown, also incredible in this movie. But I loved it. I would go into this watch, like looking for a trenchant takedown of the modern day church. Mm-hmm. I would not go in looking for a like haha goofy comedy. It does it is that way sometimes, but it's more disturbing and troubling than it is funny, I would say. Um yeah. it sounds I, like I a, a more comedy. serious version of the righteous gemstones, basically. Yes. That's a great impression, Devendra. Yeah. That's a great a more serious version of Righteous Gemstones, right? So it's Righteous Gemstones is is I think a comedy, like a flat out yeah, comedy, right? Straight up, yeah. Uh, and and uh, and obviously not told mockumentary style. Honk for Jesus, save your soul, um, mockumentary style, but also much more serious. Some funny moments though. Great performances by um, Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall. Worth watching for them alone. Um, it's a satire. I will say that it's a satire. It's not, but I, I don't know like how ha ha funny it is most of the time. Um, but it's streaming right now on Peacock. I'd strongly recommend to check it out. It's Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Jeff Kanata, hit us with some things you've been watching this week. Well, I had a chance to go to an early screening of the new Kate Blanchett, Todd Fields film, Tar, uh, T-A-R, Tar. Uh, this is a fictional biopic. It, well, that's not really the case. It's not really a biopic, but it's very much focused on one singular character, uh, this uh, this this phenom, this um, musical phenom, a, a, um, a maestro uh, conductor who has uh, very clearly, they say explicitly at the beginning of the film, won the EGOT, has been an EGOT recipient. What, just su- such a prodigy, such a uh, uh, an incredible star in the film world uh, that she, you know, had won an, uh, an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Uh, and also, you know, conducts uh, the um, Berlin Symphony. Much of the movie takes place in Berlin. Uh, and this is a uh, a very long movie, uh, two hours and 38 minutes. But it, boy, I felt like it was uh, three hours, man. It's, it's long. Um, and it's quite an amazing performance by Kate Blanchett. It, this movie is worth seeing for Kate Blanchett alone. She is extraordinary extraordinary in fact i struggle to think of another actor who could have pulled this off with such a plum she she is a singular and in, in my view uh in her capacity to do this movie it is an incredible movie like i said long it feels like it feels um encyclopedic in in its uh view of her and what the components of a life uh, that this person would lead. I don't want to reveal where this movie goes, but I really, it was very much different than I expected it to be. 
knowing that it was Kate Blanchett, knowing she was playing a symphony conductor, I thought it was really going to be a movie about music. And it very much is not, in my view. Uh, certainly music is at the center of the movie and it revolves around a life in music. But it really is much more about ego and what uh, the effects of ego uh, do to a person and uh, the excesses that one can, can uh, succumb to when one is so successful. Um, and in, in that view, it is, uh, it's striking, it's incredible. Um, I, I mean, I have a few issues with it, honestly, but it is, the performance is, is staggering. And the way the movie is structured, where you see these tiny moments, it, 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 you'll see a scene that doesn't even really seem to have a point to it. It's just a slice of a moment of this woman living her life, struggling with something, dealing with something, influenced by something. So the, the, just the, the breadth of what was shot, the, the demands on Blanchette, she's in nearly every frame of the movie. She is, I mean, it, it, is, it is her movie, uh, 100%, and she is up to the task like I think no other. Uh, very much worth seeing. It's great film acting. If she's not nominated for an Academy Award for this, I will be shocked. It is staggering uh, what she brings to it. Um, the like first 10 minutes of the movie, I, I was like, I'm in love with this movie. I, I love this movie. It, it very much departs from where it starts uh, and, and goes to a, a really, uh, a place I did not expect. Um, but and my view, my esteem of the movie went down slightly, but I still think this is one of the best movies of the year. It's certainly worth seeing by anybody that enjoys dense, interesting, um, artful filmmaking. I mean, it really is a movie about the smartest person in the room and what that does to a person um, or what it can do. I, I, I highly recommend Tar. Fascinating. Uh, it's getting to that time of the year where every week or every other week there's a new movie that opens that expands your horizons for what cinema can be. And I feel like we're entering that season yeah. uh, of the year, you know, award season where everyone's trying to cram in all these movies before the end of the year. And uh, Tar is definitely one of those movies that is on my list and I've heard great things about it. And Jeff, your, your really positive review is probably going to get me to get out to the theater and watch the three hour version of the, or, you know, yeah. the three hours it, of this movie. So it's amazing. I, you know, I was, I was really excited. Like, I want to see this in the, you know, in great sound and everything's going to be amazing. She's going to be conducting. It's like <laughs> yeah. an hour of this movie, zero music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's mm -hmm. wild. It's very much not what you expect. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you last an hour before you see her ever actually interact with the symphony but it, it it's so interesting in what it is bringing to the table right um it's yeah, like I, remember I, that movie a uh, high flying bird uh the soderbergh movie that was <laughs> it was like about basketball but there was like virtually no basketball in the entire film. <laughs> yes yeah. yes yeah. yeah but i assume there's more music than zero in there's more than zero <laughs> there's definitely more than zero but it i mean yeah. i really thought wow we're gonna get to see kate punchette like you know conducting symphonies throughout this me and it's yeah, gonna be all yeah. about me and there is a little of that but you yeah. wait a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, All you know, right. yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it regardless. But, uh, yeah. anyway, the no, movie's tart. It's, 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 uh, out in limited release right now, I believe. It's not, it's not playing anywhere near me yet. I think um, it's only I'm, LA and New York at this moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But hopefully soon. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what else have you been watching this week? Well, as I often do this week, I turned to my friends on Twitter with the hashtag slash tag. Uh, where the listeners of this very podcast 
share their recommendations for what we should watch or what other listeners should watch. It's a fantastic tool that I turn to all the time when I'm like, I want to watch something new to talk about on the show. What are the listeners of the film cast recommending right now? And I will tell you someone uh, on Twitter uh, or a couple of people recommended vociferously uh, a movie called Vesper, uh, a science fiction movie called Vesper, which cost me $7. And I made it through about 15 minutes of it. So I won't be talking about Vesper. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Also, like... If Jeff is plunking down $7 yeah. like, and, and then he doesn't finish the movie, that is very unlike, because Jeff is somebody who likes to get the most value for his money for movies. Indeed. Um, Indeed. So the fact not, that you, I mean, okay, Jeff, you got to tell me at least why you didn't make it through the movie. I don't, it, it, I don't want it to uh, appear to be a value judgment on the movie, which I right, think uh, in its first 15 minutes certainly convinced me that it, the production value and the, the, the uh, idea of this movie were very powerful. It is extremely dark extremely like dour, upsetting upset high yes i there is a scene in the first 10 minutes that i was like well i can't watch this movie sorry can't can't do it sorry so i appreciate uh there are folks that were specifically uh said hey jeff you got to see vesper uh i wish i had the stomach for it this was a rough week for me in a lot of ways family wise and there's just a scene uh, toward the, i mean there's a lot of really tough stuff at the beginning and then there's one scene very much close to the beginning where i was like yeah i if that's if this is this movie and it doesn't seem like it's getting any brighter from here you know i'm 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 gonna (laughs) take my seven dollars and just call it a wash Mm -hmm. um so but anyway i hope one of you two sees this movie because i've heard it's very good and tell me oh you missed it because it gets really amazing later um anyway that's vesper so didn't want to talk about that. What I ended up doing after turning that off, I switched over to a different recommendation. Uh, this one comes from Aaron Pinkston on Twitter. Aaron Pinkston wrote, uh, Jeff, uh, hashtag slash tag, The Outfit, which is like a perfect Jeff Kanata movie, and it's now on Amazon Prime. And I went, perfect Jeff Kanata movie? Hey, I'm Jeff Kanata. What? Yeah. And I will, I'm here to tell you, Aaron... You're right. It's a perfect Jeff Kanata movie. It's a perfect Jeff Kanata movie. Uh, the Outfit is, is a movie uh, you you probably wouldn't even know uh, arrived on Amazon Prime. I certainly didn't see any ads for it. I had to find out through hashtag slash tag. Uh, this is a brand new film by writer-director Graham Moore. Uh, and it stars one of my favorite actors on the planet working today, Mark Rylance, who you've seen in almost every Spielberg movie over the last eight years. Uh, but he's a he's an old uh, Shakespearean actor. He was in charge of the Old Globe for many many years. Just brilliant, brilliant. He's brilliant. I could watch him read the phone book. Also, Bridge of Spies. I think he won an Oscar for that, right? Indeed. Yeah, yeah but Spielberg worked with him once. I think and was like, he's going to be in all my movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. except West Side Story because there's really no role for him in West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been Officer Krupke. Jeff. He should have been Officer Krupke. That would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Um, Anyway, he's he's brilliant. I mean, uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And very much the center of this movie. This is a movie about... So the reason it's a Jeff Kanata special uh, is, uh, you know, listeners of the show know that I love movies that are basically plays. A movie that is like takes place in one location. It's just a bunch of people talking. Ah, it's my catnip. I love it. I love it. And that is the outfit. In fact, 
I was shocked to discover that it wasn't based on a play. I thought, oh, this has got to be a, as I, as I was watching it, I was like, I can't wait to see who wrote the play that this is based on um, because it's obviously an adaptation of a stage play. No, turns out, no, it's an original film uh, written by Graham Moore and Jonathan McLean, um, whose work I loved in Die Hard. <laughs> no, never mind. Um, uh <laughs> John McClane? No? Okay. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I clocked uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, it is a, a single location. It takes place um, in the 50s, I think 1958, I want to say. Um, and it takes place entirely inside a high-end suit shop, a, a, a men's clothier uh, in Chicago in 1958. Mark Rylance plays uh, the, the owner and proprietor of the shop. Uh, a, he's very quick to uh, correct people who call him a tailor. He is not a tailor. He is a cutter. Uh, evidently, a cutter is a much higher uh, skill profession than a tailor. A tailor just takes measurements. A cutter creates the suits. So he is very much creating suits and then gets embroiled uh, in this mob situation. The the uh, the uh, criminal... Um, um, a criminal organization uses his shop as a place to sort of drop messages. And he makes suits for the head of this Irish crime family and then gets swept up in, in this one night of uh, danger. And it's awesome, man. It is exact. If you like movies like this, like I do, where it's just actors in a room acting tension, twists, reveals, fun stuff. Oh, it's great. And uh, it's full of actors that I've never seen before. Which is another reason why I like. I, I thought, oh, this must be the original Broadway cast or something. These the people that played this on stage and they just used the actors and added Mark Rylance. No, uh, it's just a bunch of actors that I was not familiar with, but all of them give really uh, stellar performances. It's it's great. It's it is. I think um, I mean, there may be one twist too many at the end for my taste. I think we could have been like, oh, well, I think we're fine now, but. Uh, Overall, very clever, very sharply written, and just beautifully performed. Rylance is so, so, so good to watch in this movie as this sort of soft-spoken uh, uh, craftsman who believes in the quality of his work above all. It's, it's, it's great. It's called The Outfit. All right. I'm looking forward to this one, Jeff. I had seen this one pop up a while ago on like video on demand. And there's so many things on video on demand these days. It's really hard to, to sort the good from the bad. This is a focus features movie. They yep. generally have good quality. Uh, and it's available right now on prime video. So uh, it's free for people who have prime. Uh, I'll try to check it out. It's called the outfit streaming right now on prime video. I and just, that, Oh, I spent God. the entire time pretending that I'd spent the $7 on this movie instead. Worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now you've got me intrigued on Vesper too. You know, maybe I should watch that movie first. I, you know, yes. For most people, uh, deeply upsetting might be a turnoff <laughs> for Dave Chen. He's like, Whoa, when can Whoa. I, how, what, how, how quickly can we wrap up this podcast? I need to see this deeply upsetting movie. Yeah. We'll see how you guys feel when we watch, uh, let's speak no evil. That's the movie yeah, that yeah. will so mess you all up. Yeah. Speak No Evil is available right now in Shudder. It's a movie that Devendra has been recommending. I, and, uh, I, I yeah, don't Devendra. know if the word is recommend, but certainly <laughs> I've been threatening you with it. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I'm planning to check that out as well. So um, anyway, 
the outfit available on Prime Video and uh, Speak No Evil available on Shutter. I'm 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 hopefully going to check that out this week. I'll talk about it next week. Uh, okay, but that is what we have been watching this week for the Filmcast. All right, let's get to weekly plugs. Weekly plugs is a part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. Uh, I want to plug a conversation I had with Ashley uh, Ashley Eskeva on the Decoding TV podcast. I believe uh, you've done some hosting with her, uh, Jeff Kanata. Yes, two years. We did uh, Tomorrow Daily. Uh, Ashley Eskeva and I did did, uh, the show on uh, CNET um, several years ago, and I think very highly of her. She's awesome. I don't know how you managed to talk her into hanging out with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Well, I said... If you if you want to chat with someone who Jeff Kanata despises, then, <laughs> then Decoding TV is a great podcast for you. No, I'm just joking. Does that work um, for? Does that work as a? <laughs> um, no. Uh, obviously, she thinks highly of you as well. I had a great time talking with her on the Decoding TV podcast. We actually uh, recently talked about Werewolf by Night. Um, so check that out at podcast.decodingtv.com. Um, and it was a really fun chat. Uh, but yeah, we've been covering shows like uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law and Andor, basically like a lot of Disney Plus shows on the Decoding TV uh, podcast. So uh, Werewolf by Night, interesting, interesting uh, thing that pops up that we discussed with Ashley. Uh, check it out at podcast.decodingtv.com. Devinder Hardware, hit us with your uh, weekly plug. Oh, I just want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast where we talked about the Pixel 7 and all the things Google announced last week. Uh, it's a bunch of cool new stuff. I'm not usually a fan of Google's hardware. Um, you can listen to that episode to, to learn why. But I do think they're kind of like a growing and maturing as a company right now. So even though they totally killed Stadia, and again, <laughs> many, many reasons why we don't trust Google, um, it is cool to see like their design of like the watch and, uh, and their phones and everything coming together. I point a lot of that to HTC, which they bought several years ago. And I'm looking at these devices, like the the evolution of HTC's like brilliant design from back in the day. So yeah, come check out our conversation on the Engadget podcast. All right, and Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. My video game podcast, which is called DLC, uh, we just recorded last night a new episode with Kyle Bossman, who is awesome. Uh, he does uh, a show called Delayed Input. He's hilarious and insightful and great. Uh, if you've never listened to our video game pod or my video game podcast uh, that I do with Christian Spicer, uh, this would be a great episode to jump onto. I think it was highly entertaining, really, really interesting topics. We had a, a week of tons of video game news. We got to talk about the uh, the new Mario, uh, Super Mario Brothers movie trailer, which, yes, I watched. I know I, I, I'm unsullied most of the time. I did watch that trailer. Uh, because my son is is obsessed with Super Mario Brothers, and you don't want that watch- plot spoiled for you, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, uh, it, you know. I, so we talked about that. We talked. There's a lot, lots of really great news. And um, Steam Next Fest was this weekend. We got to talk about all the crazy demos uh, that I enjoyed. It's just a great episode, and it's episode 464 of uh, the DLC podcast. You can find it at five by five TV slash DLC, uh, and it uh, it's with Kyle Bossman, who's fantastic. Uh, just out of curiosity, Jeff, now that you've watched the Mario trailer, like, what did you think of it? I know you cover it in, in that podcast as well, but I'm curious, you know, uh, if you could give us the uh, the Cliff's Notes. Uh, I'm, I think, I mean, I think it's gorgeous. I first, first and foremost, was very impressed with the visuals. Um, 
I think, you know, they're, they're clearly setting out to make a very entertaining family film, which I'm excited about. My son, as I said, uh, is obsessed with Mario. It's his favorite thing in the world. He, he, I can't even express to you how much he is obsessed with Mario. It just studies it. Like I would study, you know, huh. I don't know, something I study. There are uh, worse like, things to be obsessed about, you know? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he, he's very, very excited about seeing the movie, very excited about the trailer. Um, and I'm I'm glad that they're making this you know this this family film. I, for me, the thing it brings up is something that I've a, a drum I've been beating for many years now, and and it's just it's a shame to me that these movies have to be packed with a list celebrity voice yeah. actors. Yeah. If ever there was an IP that did not need that boost, it would be mm-hmm. Mario. Um, and you know, people there's a lot of backlash against Chris Pratt. I happen to generally like chris pratt on screen Uh, i don't have a problem with him per se but just the notion that we need to have big name recognizable a-list actors in all of the roles in a super mario brothers movie just seems unfortunate to me i wish i wish you could people it with uh or cast it with you know just great voice actors that whose names you never recognize um and you know, a lot, a lot of a lot has been made about the fact that Pratt doesn't sound like he's doing the uh, the Mario voice, but I'm like, you, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, you know, mm-hmm, because like mm-hmm. he having this, you cast Chris Pratt and he's like, hey, it's me, Mario. He's like, oh, well, that's overtly offensive on a certain <laughs> level. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I, I think it's this kind of like it's this perfect storm of events online, Jeff, where I feel like it's both uh, Chris Pratt backlash coupled with Mario fandom that's like creating a perfect storm where like literally on my t- my TikTok for you page it's just video after video of people like annihilating Chris Pratt like hating on him so heavily for this yeah. but i agree that it's basically i agree with you do we want a whole movie where someone talks in that you know with that kind of voice yeah, um yeah. i don't think so no, uh, that, but that think- was never my mario my mario was uh, lou albano right you know yeah, like albano, that, that's yeah. who i grew up with yeah 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 i mean and, and- uh, my my view is if I had the keys to the kingdom, uh, the Mushroom Kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, I would, uh, in making this movie, I would have had Mario basically be Gordon Freeman, right? Just not talk throughout mm-hmm. the vast majority of the movie. Um, I think that would have made, you can have all the other characters talk to him <laughs> and he doesn't have to talk. I think that would, I think that's a better way to do it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, literally any other nationality you have somebody t- <laughs> talking in like this overtly right. stereotypical nonsense talk. We are all, everyone is like aghast, but for some reason, because it's Mario, it's like, no, you should talk like it is. You know, it's, it's like, it's, it's unbelievably <laughs> ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, well, you know, I'm gl- t- t- today is Columbus day. So I do think, <laughs> do you think we can have this? We can have this little Mario voice. Yeah. I am curious what the um, what the reception to the movie is going to be. You know, I think that uh, it's been a long time since there's been a Mario movie uh, on the on the global stage, and it's going to make a billion dollars, dude. Yeah, it, it, I have no I, doubt. The Sonic movie crushed. No yes. one gave a shit about Sonic before that movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> or after even <laughs> no yeah. dude that is patently false i know i'm being my, I'm being my kid and his peers six-year-olds love sonic the hedgehog for no reason there's been no sonic game that's come out to capture their attention it is literally 
just a character that they love for some reason. Mm -hmm. So, and they love, dude, all all the kids at school love Mario. It's this movie is going to destroy. It's it's interesting to reflect on like how much more faithful this movie is going to be compared to the last live action Super Mario Brothers movie, right? Like that. What a what a sort of weird journey this property has gone on in terms of our cinematic landscape. You well, know? the the culture has changed massively, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. To, to be more ex- uh, more accepting of something like what we're going to see with this movie is what you're saying, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, the. I mean, I don't have to give you the millions of examples from, you know, MCU and all the other things of how, you know, stuff at the time that that Super Mario Brothers movie came out, they're like, well, we have to change everything to make it for a movie audience. Yes. yes. And now it's like, well, we have to make it as authentic to the thing right. as possible for a movie audience. You know? It's like the complete opposite yeah. now. Like it needs to be as faithful as possible. And there's going to be massive backlash if it's not faithful. Right. You know? So anyway, fascinating stuff. Uh, check out Jeff Kanata's DLC podcast. I particularly like Jeff on the podcast, how I, I think you and Christian were really uh, super fans of Stadia when it first came out. You're like, this thing's going to last forever. This yeah. is going to be amazing. We really... Uh... <laughs> Never trust Not Google. Since, uh, getting mousetrap <laughs> wrong, have I Not been... <laughs> Have you have you led so many? How who knows how many people bought Stadia because of Jeff Kanata's recommendation? Yeah, you know? well, luckily Google's giving everybody's money back. So yeah, unless yeah. you subscribed, yeah, right, yeah, that money's down the tubes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Davinci, you're right. I do still feel guilty. Thank you. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, anyway, a couple of plugs for the podcast as well. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash film podcast, sign up for ad free episodes and exclusive after darks. Of course, we never want anyone to support the podcast. If it in any way causes them financial hardship, uh, you can always support us for free uh, by leaving a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast or a rating just takes a second. And of course we always appreciate it. If you share about the podcast on your social media, uh, share the filmcast.com or youtube.com slash slash filmcast really appreciate all the sharing that you can do. Uh, that does make a big difference as well. That's Weekly Plugs. Let's get to our review of Amsterdam. Harold, I don't know what you think you're doing. Excuse me. Hello. Got a dead white man in a box. Not even a casket. Doesn't even have a top on it. In a pine box of old wood. Who do you think is going to get in trouble here? Do me a favor. Try to be optimistic. You don't get here without things starting a long time ago. So two soldiers and a nurse found ourselves in Amsterdam. You are listening to or watching the film cast. I'm David Chen here with Devinder Hardwar and Jeff Kanata. And we are about to dive into David O. Russell's newest film, Amsterdam. I'm going to quote from the plot summary on IMDb, quote, In the 1930s, three friends witness a murder, are framed for it, and uncover one of the most outrageous plots in American history, end quote. Before we begin this review, I do think it's worth acknowledging that uh, the writer-director of this movie is, by all accounts, not a very nice person. and has yeah, done a things huge piece that, of shit, yeah. That has done things that uh, many people would deem unforgivable, and uh, not worthy of any support whatsoever. Um, I, I am not disputing any of that at all. Uh, I do think that it is interesting to me how, despite those things, which are well known in Hollywood, 
uh, people continue to work with him. So, literally, some of the biggest stars alive today continue to work with him. And I was talking with my colleague Scott Mendelson about this, and one of the reasons is because there's very few people making movies like him. Uh, you know, ma- like like Amsterdam, which are not based off of um, comic books or existing IP. They are targeted adults, and which uh, can often garner awards for many of the performances involved. Uh, and it's certainly something that you know director David O. Russell's movies have done in the past. Uh, but that said, I, I totally understand if people don't want to support a movie like this because they don't want to support David O. Russell. Um, my personal view on it is that uh, movies are the result of the work of hundreds of people, and uh, and so I still think the movie like this one is worth considering despite that. But here's a, here's an open question: Is given all that stuff I just said? Is the movie actually good? Because if it's not good, then it's like, what are we even doing here? Devendra Hardwar, what do you think of Amsterdam? Devendra uh, Hardwar, what are we even doing here? What are we what even are doing we? here? <laughs> you know, a question I asked myself in the theater is, what am I doing here? <laughs> what is David O. Russell doing here? Um, I found this movie to be like a perfectly fine romp at times, but uh, it, it, it veers into weird territory. And I think by the end, it just like tries to tie everything up in a like very sentimental way, uh, sort of like love solves everything. Is really what's important is you know the friends we made along the way, everybody. Uh, while unearthing you know uh, dictatorial uh, conspiracies in America, um, it, this movie feels really uneven. I like I, I like a lot of the people. I think the the chemistry between you know Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington is fantastic. I just feel like this movie is all over the place. It is quirky like so many of david o russell's movies but it doesn't feel like very well uh well i don't know well targeted or well directed um it it feels like he has a lot of ideas and nothing ever really quite uh, quite gels you know the whole idea of calling it amsterdam is because they had this wonderful time these characters living together in amsterdam um that a lot of that stuff just felt like student film like uh, B-roll type stuff. It, mm-hmm. A lot of it felt like embarrassing what this movie is trying to do and trying really to force us to really, you know, understand this relationship because these people uh, liked to, to, you know, experience art together and make art together in Amsterdam. Um, I, I just find it really, really uneven. Um, it wasn't boring, you know, like you have enough of these people in here where um, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. I, I think like the the actual like intrigue of the plot is enough to like keep me interested, but I just feel like this is clearly lesser David O. Russell. And uh, yeah, I, I, I can almost see like a better movie here. It just feels like he kind of gave up at the end. It's like a, you know, high schooler writing a report and you get to the final page and you're like, I, I don't know. Yada, yada, yada. In conclusion, uh, let's go home. You know, it feels like it feels kind of a letdown in that respect. I do think it's no coincidence that a movie whose message is about love and kindness uh, doesn't really resonate or ring true from someone uh, whose most notorious viral clip online is of him screaming at someone. You know, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm referring to uh, his I Heart Huckabee, you know, footage of him from I Heart Huckabees that went viral many years ago of, of him mistreating a cast member on Lily Tomlin, I believe, on that movie, right? And the um, stories with him in Three Kings, you know, George Clooney and everything, like, that that has been the thing. Uh, it is funny though. Like I, I genuinely like Silver Linings Playbook. You know, I think that's a really sweet and romantic movie. Um, but again, coming from this guy, kind of kind of hard to accept sometimes. Right. That's it's like it, it wouldn't. It would make sense that it's like eh, it doesn't quite ring true if like this is the this is the messenger. You know, uh, 
that's mm-hmm. behind it. But Jeff Kanata, I'm curious, what did you think of Amsterdam? Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I think of Amsterdam is best summed up in the form of a limerick. A great cast gives you a head start when crafting a grand piece of art, but sometimes there are factors that make all these actors less than the sum of their parts. All I right, basically, nice thank you. I basically agree with Devendra. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm, I may have enjoyed it slightly more than it sounds like he did. I, I, I found the actual process of watching this movie to be pretty fun. Sure. It, it is, yeah, yeah. It is a, it is a wild thing to have so much being thrown at you at any given time. Like literally, oh my gosh, that person's the, well, is that Timothy Oliphant with two lines in this movie? What's he doing? <laughs> oh, oh, that's a weird quirk. Well, that's, I'm trying to process that. It, it is, there was a period after Quentin Tarantino broke out with Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction where every movie, like all the characters had just weird, quirky affectations, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. that was a shortcut to interesting for most people, or that's what they took away from Tarantino's writing is like, hey, it's weird quirks. And it feels like every character in this movie has weird quirks and uh, strange things you've n- literally never seen. I've never seen a character quite like that before. And it's just full of them. And weird plot maneuvers and state. It's just this... I don't want to say it's a train wreck because it's not a train wreck, but it's akin to watching something unfold before you that's just unraveling at the seams almost or, or kind of uh, <laughs> fall. If, you know, it's it's like watching a, a somebody bake a cake, but the cake is, is overflowing on the side or, you know, this, this thing's it's just too much. It just it can't hold together quite, but it's still fascinating to witness all of the strange pieces like i like i said in the in the limerick this movie some movies are more than the sum of their parts this movie is almost exactly the sum of its parts there's just all the parts are the there's so many parts and all of them are there and all of them are in individually interesting but i totally agree with devindra that by the end it's like this is what we were leading up to like the big third act climax is this? That, that's mm-hmm. It just seems so... I totally agree with uh, Devinger's assessment where it just felt like at the end it was like, well, and also it all, yada, 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 we're done. And, um, but, so I don't think it works necessarily. I don't think it's a success per se, but I certainly am glad I watched it and it, it had enough moments of of real strangeness or interesting or or introspection and in, in like how a person works and what that must have been like at that time and that place that I got something out of the experience and seeing all these incredible actors come on for a line or or you know or, or you know the centerpiece characters really create some interesting performances there's enough in Amsterdam that I'm glad I watched it, but it's not a movie I'm 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 going to go out and say, hey, you, you got to make time for this one. Yeah. Yeah. I basically agree with both of you. Wow, this is one time where we're like all pretty much in agreement on this one. Um, to me, it felt like just really unfocused. It's a, a story of political intrigue with no intrigue. 
<laughs> you know, you're not like, oh, what's happening? You know, the, there's the pacing is just it, it feels like there is none. It feels like we're just like, hey, let's this is cool. You know, you're you're like walking into like an antique store. You're like, hey, this is kind of cool. Let's like look at this for a second. Yeah. What about that over there? Oh, hey, let's wander. Let's wander over here. Oh, this is kind of cool. You know, like there's nothing. There's no like narrative momentum driving you to the inevitable conclusion that we're we're heading towards. Um. The it's theoretically a whodunit, but like there's no tension or stakes attached to that at all. It seems like it seems like we just completely forget about the whodunit story. I mean, I know it's part of the plot, but I'm not feeling when I'm watching the movie like, oh, I, I really care about who it is that's actually behind the crime necessarily, right? right? And yeah. yep. um, it's just what an odd, odd movie, I guess is what I'd have to say. It's just a very strange experience watching the movie. I will say that uh, John David Washington, Margot Robbie, and Christian Bale have pretty good chemistry together. Yeah. You know? And that does go a long way. They're basically kind of holding this whole movie together with their bare hands, as far as I could tell. Uh, and and a lot of the ideas, obviously, that are brought up in the movie are interesting, you know. Um, but to me, it feels like when you look at movies like Three Kings, you know, going all the way to uh, American Hustle and then this, like... Uh, which are like, that's like three works of historical fiction I just mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and as you progress along the lines, it becomes more loose and shaggy. Like It, it seems like um, the filmmaker is caring less and less about the conventional things that would make for a satisfying storytelling and just kind of like, just wants to explore the things that they want to explore without regard for things like conventional three-act structure or or you know suspense or tension it's just like hey let's let's hang out with these people and oh weird wild stuff might happen and that's kind of mm -hmm. what the experience of seeing the movie was sort of like i heart huckabees too like that was a movie where i feel like it was just too smart for its own good and he does not know when to tell like how to control his storytelling sometimes so yeah mm -hmm. it but is not really anything like it and i think mm -hmm. in, in that sense it's it's kind of interesting as this strange artifact you know it's like well, nobody makes movies like this and it's so it, it's so bizarre that i can't really take my eyes off it right there's an it, i'm interested i'm drawn in i was riveted i i didn't feel like i wasn't looking at my watch you know it, it's but it also doesn't quite work as a as a singular piece i do think that the use of all these actors kind of works against it. Do, do you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. as a result of it, I'm never really lost in the story. It's it's more literally every other scene. There's like, oh, it's another famous person. It's Michael Shannon. It's uh Taylor Swift. It's Alessandro Nivola is here. You know, like all like every Michael Myers? Okay. Michael Myers. Like all every right. actor is like a famous person. And I, yeah. I, I I'm I actually do think it's it is a distraction. Like I actually do think it like it hurts the storytelling because you're watching it and you're focused on like what who's the next famous person? Ra Academy Award winner Rami Malek isn't it? You know, yeah. Anya Taylor, Queen's Gambit isn't it? You know, it's just Rob like Robert De Niro. Okay, here, let's right. go. Yeah, Here we let's go. go. You know, and and so, um, I, I I never felt lost in the story. It did feel like kind of this cavalcade of famous people. Um, instead. And I guess I, it, it does remind me of like some Wes Anderson movies in that way, where like there's there's a couple of Wes Anderson movies that at their worst are kind of like oh it's just like a, we're seeing like a bunch of famous people do um, do cameos, but like 
those movies to me feel much more finely calibrated. You know, they, those those Wes Anderson movies to me feel like even if it, it is a bunch of famous people, like they're going to use them thoughtfully mm-hmm. um, and and never in excess. Uh, maybe the Royal Tenenbaums being the exception, but even that, you know, like yeah. obviously, like I don't know. I, I just thought the the use of incredibly famous people worked against the movie because it's not like all the famous people are playing famous people in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, which would be like maybe its own statement about fame if it, if they went in that direction, but uh, but they didn't. So anyway, I I have I continue to. Um, be impressed by the work, the 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 body of work of Margot Robbie. I think she's extraordinary. I mean, from like I Tanya, this like she she's really proving that she can do the real commercial stuff, um, and and then do these really fascinating um, roles that that are kind of not against type, but you know, I, I think she's so beautiful and so. Um, you know, could really just get by on on playing very commercial in very commercial films. And she picks these really interesting projects and pushes herself and challenges herself. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm so impressed with her work in this and in other things. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, uh, she's great in this movie. I think the trio are, are pretty great overall. Um, but yeah, shall mm-hmm. we do just a couple spoilers real quick? Yeah, sure. Here we go. Spoilers for Amsterdam coming up right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. I will say that my wife was actually deeply moved by this movie. Uh, <laughs> in a way that I definitely wasn't. And part of it was about the idea of Amsterdam, right? Like that's that's kind of what the movie's about. This idea of Amsterdam, it's that place where we're, we're carefree, we're worry-free, we're just go, going off and yeah. doing our own thing. And, and how that kind of intersected with this main couple of uh, Margot Robbie and John David Washington, like I, that that relationship felt like pretty authentic and real to me, mm-hmm. um, which is not what I can say for the Christian Bale Zoe Saldana relationship. Like that just felt really random to me and kind of a throwaway in the movie. But like I felt the John David Washington Margot Robbie connection, and at the very end of the movie, they're like, "Yeah, you guys can be together, um, but you're not going to go to Amsterdam. Um, you're going to go so." one of those other countries that they don't even name. And it's because obviously we know that I believe world war two is ahead of them mm-hmm. uh, in the movie. And so it's like, the, it wouldn't be a happy ending for them to go to Amsterdam because like bad things happen there. Um, so they go somewhere else. And this is this kind of dream that like, Oh, and this, this, uh, this black man and this white woman can like be together in this kind of like dream ideal. Uh, it's like a, it's a, it's a sweet idea basically behind the yeah. concept of Amsterdam in the movie. Um, so yeah, it is funny that the, the sort of, um, success or, 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 you know, a uh, hero's journey leads us to, Hey, we stopped these people from becoming the Nazis for a little while. They definitely <laughs> become Nazis and <laughs> World War II definitely happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's more yeah. like the, the overthrow of the U S government, which, Hey, what a, what a relevant thing to talk about right now. <laughs> it, it, it is kind of annoying that this movie doesn't even, but that's the like one actual thing 
you know that that makes it topical history, right? yeah. well that makes it topical but also all these characters were basically just created for this movie you know the the one piece of history is uh that general de niro's character was basically they showed at the end of the movie like did go on tv talking about like being approached about this like capitalist plot to basically overthrow the government and that was the thing and uh is the thing we need to worry about right now in many ways so would it would have been nice to focus a little more on that yeah 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 i mean again i think the movie just shows a lot of lack of focus in, in general but you know it's not um it's not like outside the the total realm of possibility right or um it's not completely unreasonable to make a movie that deals with something like world war ii but it mm-hmm. still has a sad ending like another right. movie that comes to mind is valkyrie obviously yeah. um well, I don't think Where, it's, it's, that my point is that it felt like it wasn't a sad ending. It felt like we right, did right, it, right. everybody. We stopped the Nazis for a couple yeah. of years. You know? <laughs> we definitely <laughs> delayed that thing from yeah, the right. terrible thing. Yeah, that's what it, it felt like. That was the victory that we were celebrating is like mm-hmm. putting off the inevitable from slightly. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for But anyway, Valkyrie, another like that, that movie comes to mind, which is about the plot to assassinate Hitler, which yeah. is like, you know, going into that movie that they didn't succeed, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you know anything, spoiler for world history, but if you know anything about world history, Hitler was not assassinated. And so, yeah. you, and, and so it just takes a lot of skill to generate tension around uh, that plot. I mean, and the problem is this movie didn't generate any tension at all from what I can tell, you know, yeah. like about anything. Right. Um, so Maybe it just shrank from that notion because of that. Maybe it was just like, mm-hmm. well, we're going to concentrate more on these characters. And, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like we're people are already going to know that World War II happens and the Nazis rise and everything like that. Um, so why even bother thinking about any of that? Let's just let's just hang out and, and experience the vibes with these people. I mean, I think know? that's basically what the movie does. Yeah. It's a strange thing to me. This climactic speech that De Niro gives to the mm-hmm. the, the Union it just feels like it's, it's it feels like such small stakes for yeah. everybody to be so worried about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the whole the whole thing felt really weird. The whole way that the union stuff was set up, and it was like, oh, it was this thing that was. I think it was already he was going to throw this party anyway, if I recall yeah. correctly, right? And it's just like it's all, the, the entire thrust of the, this sprawling movie is get a guy to talk at your event. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh no, that that one guy died. We need another guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say seeing Taylor Swift get assassinated was really Dude. The, the one big surprise in this movie for me. Well, and how it showed. Yeah, just, just right into their unsparing with just it. Blump, blump. Yeah, just right I into love it. it. I thought that was such a great way. I mean, I say great, you know, dastardly way to to, to do that where you like you push the lady and they're like, I watched, did you see they did it? It's that guy. I was like, oh man, that's messed up. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff picked up a lot of uh, tips. Uh, yeah, because they're like, oh, they're, they're kneeling down next to her because they care about her. And this yeah. dude's like, they're kneeling down because they did it. And, yeah. You know? yeah. Also because he's black. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, but th- that was one of the big kind of like uh, shocking moments yeah. of the movie was when she is, it's, it's always nice when a movie can like shock you like that, you know? Did you guys have a favorite or least favorite cameo in this movie? I guess is is my question. Have any any performances stick out to you? I thought Anya Taylor Joy did a great job. Yeah, in the movie, she's great. you know, she's like playing this kind of really unhappy character, married to Rami Malek, but also, um, well, she seems 
she seems a bit a, a, a little uh, invested in the terrible <laughs> plot. You know, I don't think she's mm-hmm. necessarily unhappy. She feels like she's she yeah, wants. Yeah, she's unhappy with like Margot Robbie being there, and like that dynamic right, I yeah. thought was like kind of interesting, but. Um, yeah, any any notable appearances for you? Because since there's like well, 30 people Robbie in Robbie Malik is fun. It's always fun to see him get really conspiratorial because that gives me like major Mr. Mr. Robot, Robot. Vibes. Yeah, But also uh, Timothy Oliphant, who shows up briefly in this movie. But I feel like his one thing is make me ugly. Yeah. Just everyone else is beautiful. Make me ugly. I couldn't okay. believe it. I was like, why did you take this part? This is very fun, strange. Yeah. yeah. He Well, he had a break between, you know, between Justifieds, Jeff. You know, like. Yeah. There's the new Justified coming out, and the Can't old Justified ended. So he's like, "Hey, let's uh, wrap this up. You know, let's. Uh, oh, you need me for three days of shooting? Why not? Why not? Yeah. So, any other thoughts on Amsterdam? Shall we wrap it up there? I'm good. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's it just takes you to strange places, and you never really know where you're going or where you're headed, and. Usually I love that feeling and I love that feeling here. You just, there's no destination. <laughs> it turns out you're, you know, it's just a thing. Fine. Well, at the end of the day, it's impressive that everyone behind this movie made a movie. All of Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, let's wrap it up. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen at Varsity Blue. Check out his current band, The Midnight, as well. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Uh, and our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week on the podcast, Halloween ends. Halloween ends. Until we make time. another one. Yeah. I, I I seem to recall like Jeff, you might like I, I don't I didn't I definitely didn't like the second one, Halloween mm-hmm, Kills. Mm-hmm. But I, Jeff, I seem to recall vaguely like you were kind of positive on it. Do, am I remembering that correctly? I seem or? to recall that as well. Yeah, yeah. Like I you were definitely much more. You're definitely easier on it than I was. I yeah, think. I think that's um, the case. But I am very curious how this one's going to do. Like the last one basically came out during COVID and also yeah. was released on Peacock at the same time. Um, and this one is also going to be released on Peacock at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I suspect very few people will watch it on Peacock. They're going to go into theater to see it. So I'm looking forward to, to uh, checking it out. I, and I'll, I'll just say also, before I even watch the movie, it's nice that we're getting like a trilogy that feels like a complete idea. Even if I don't mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all the movies, mm-hmm. it feels like it's like a complete idea of like, hey, they had a plan. Halloween kills, ends period and we get to see all three movies it's relatively rare these days to see mm-hmm. yeah like that mm-hmm. yeah so um anyway uh that's gonna be our review next week halloween ends uh and you'll be able to hear it here on the film cast our after dark this week is about athena patreon.com slash film podcast to check it out see you later <laughs>